An inaugural Innovation Week is showcasing the best of the rapidly developing UK agritech scene. What we've tried to do is showcase a range of different technologies that address a range of different challenges on farm. We'll find out more from Lisa Williams of Agri Epicentre and Farmers Weekly have launched a learning centre which will help with those CPD points. They'll be able to read articles on our website, answer quizzes and get those valuable CPD points for doing so. Editor Andrew Meredith joins us later and we'll talk agronomy, the markets and the weather for the week ahead. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Good morning. Hope you've had a good week. I'm Steve Orchard. In the news this week, well, despite the impending easing of lockdown, more country and agricultural shows have been cancelled for this summer. One of the oldest in Lincolnshire, Reesby Country Fair, will not go ahead. The Royal Berkshire and the Leicester County Show have also both fallen victim to the uncertainty and financial risks still present around COVID this year. All are hoping to be back in 2022. A cross-party group of MPs and peers has launched a new inquiry, exploring ways to boost the rural economy post-pandemic. It will focus on digital connectivity, the planning system, land use, rural skills and the tax system. They're seeking views and evidence from the rural and farming sectors and will run oral evidence sessions through the year. And if you're looking for some farm work, a couple of opportunities. Beaver Farm is looking for elderflower pickers from the end of this month for about six weeks. Details at beaverfarm.co.uk. And Wold Grain Storage at Hemswell North Links are looking for lab staff to work in their grain lab during the harvest period from June, July to September. Details at woldgrainstorage.co.uk. Now, starting next Monday, a week-long series of webinars will showcase the best of UK agritech, of which there's plenty, from tech that detects changes in animal behaviour to a quality monitoring robot that can swim through stored grain. There are so many innovation projects being developed at the moment. And to tell us about Agri Epicentre's first Innovation Week, good morning, Director Lisa Williams. Good morning, Steve. Thanks for having me. What can we expect to see and hear during the Innovation Week? What we've tried to do is showcase a range of different technologies that address a range of different challenges on farm. So on Monday, for example, we are focusing on detecting changes in animal health and welfare. And one of the examples that I can highlight is a project that we've been working on, um, on tail tech, and that's technology that really identifies um, tail biting in pigs, because clearly there's aggressive behaviours that that can manifest within the pig pen. And we're looking at technology that really um, identifies that and can detect the warning signs of the pig tail biting. So within AgriEpi, we cover a range of different sectors, from livestock to arable crops and aqua as well. We're commissioning a, a couple of facilities, looking at seawater and freshwater facilities, both with Edinburgh University um, and off the ferry up in Scotland. And we've just started a range of um, um, projects in this area, looking at hyperspectral imaging and detecting listeria. Um, So it's really interesting. And it's just how we showcase the different areas that we're working across in these different different subject areas. The technology is quite astounding, isn't it, really? And you work with quite a few satellite farms, don't you, around the UK? Yeah, that's right, Steve. So we have 24, um, just about to increase it to 26 within the UK. And these satellite farms are commercial farms 
that really allow us to understand what challenges on farm but also help the technology companies to truly understand those challenges and develop uh, solutions that really address those challenges in a real life scenario. Um, so it's really exciting that we're able to connect our 175 members um, with the opportunities within the ecosystem that we've developed within AgriEpi. So you can actually, if you like, put the technology to work, test it and make sure it does what it's supposed to do and develop it that way. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is there a cost for, for Innovation Week and taking part? Steve, no, it's all free. Um, th- this is our opportunity to really showcase the projects that we have been delivering um, over the last couple of years. So no, it's all free. Um, log on to our website um, at AgriEpiCentre dot com and you will see the uh, registration details there and everything that we need to know about your inaugural innovation week uh, lisa thanks ever so much for joining us on the program and good luck with your innovation week wonderful thanks for having me steve that website again for the agri epi innovation week taking place from monday may 24th is agri-epicenter.com Agronomy time now with Sean Sparling. Good morning. Things getting a little bit better, Sean. Yes, very good morning to you, Steve. The the change in crops out there, all crops really, since that 50-odd millimetres of rain which has fallen so far this month started to fall, is almost on a, a Serengeti after the rain scale. You know, the temperatures have been better this week. We've had no frost and that makes a huge difference to us. Soil temperatures are now in the high 14s in most fields and that's really spurring these crops on in all respects. But those day temperatures sitting between 13 and 17 degrees mean that the filicron and the leaf emergence and growth in general is slow and steady rather than anything other than that. And remember, what you do is you take the high day temperature, you take 10 off it, keep what's left and add those up until you get to between 68 and 72, depending upon whose version of filicron science you read. And that will be a leaf emerging. So when you have 15 degree days, it takes 14 days or so for a leaf to emerge. If you get 20 degree days, it takes seven. So if we get into June, we start to get warmer. As we're pushing towards June now, things are going to start to happen much more quickly. That's why it's so important to get out and cut plants open and assume nothing. I've got wheat that was drilled around the 9th of September in non-black grassland on two different sites. Same variety. The heathland is leaf two just emerging and the ear is less than a centimetre long in the stem. The better, more bodied land down on the bottom, same variety, drilled the same day. It's got the flag leaf starting to come out in the ears between two and two and a half centimetres long. So it's far more about soil type, structure, soil health than it ever will be about variety and drilling date this year. So as assumption is always the mother of all cock-ups, get your legs and your eyes working and go out there and look. Drive-by agronomy is anathema in any year. This year, it could well prove very, very costly to you. So winter barley, that's changed beyond all recognition. The awns are poking out widely now. Um, So T2 timing is upon us. And just remember, the awns are doing an awful lot towards photosynthesis in barley. So really, you don't want to damage them by going a little bit too late with growth regulators or herbicides. So just check the labels and speak to your advisor before you go. Wheats are a bit all over the place still, like I said last week. So very, very few flag leaf tickets have been left yet. 
still doing the T1 on some farms, actually. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Broadleaf weeds and wild oats, ryegrass, etc. They're now responding to that wet, warm soil as well. Spring germination is finally underway from those fellas. So there's still plenty of time to deal with broadleaf weeds, cleavers, wild oats, etc. in winter wheat. But again, make sure that you're safe timing-wise in your field. Just watch those growth stages, watch the weather conditions, and particularly if you're using sulfonyl ureas, make sure you wash out properly after use before you go on to a non-cereal crop. Spring barley, spring oats, they're surging away in these moist, warm, 14 degree plus soils. Growth stage 30 appearing quite widely now, particularly in the better land that was drilled early. So rhynchosporium, net blotch, mildew, all enjoying this wetter, milder conditions. So just account for that when you choose your fungicide. Growth regulators might be quite advisable this year, particularly on those lush barleys and frothy oats, which are sucking up every little bit of nitrogen that you've given them. Finding very, very few aphids out here, though. Other than the black bean aphids, I'm actually finding fewer than few in cereals, in the oats, the barleys, the wheats, winter wheat, spring wheat. Um, even in the garden, they're, they're fairly scarce. But do be alert to these aphids suddenly appearing as it warms up. Sugar beet should be high in your mind of potential issues. The BBRO suction traps are finding very few. But remember that one Mises persicae nymph on four plants constitutes threshold. I haven't seen any winged misers per skin. You do need the winged ones to lay those nymphs. As yet, no sign of the winged ones. But they're cunning wee beasties aphids. They've got two fully formed young inside them on the day they're born. They give birth every eight days or so. Each one of the young does that. So you can see that you can go from 0 to 60 incredibly quickly when it comes to aphid. And once they appear. So it's good to hear that we've got approval for incest as well as topeki against these aphids for virus yellows complex control in our sugar beet this year. I remember the conversations about aphids on the 1st of February. We were saying they're unlikely to be on the wing before the third week of May and we were all thinking, well, the beet will be 8 to 10 leaves by then and its own natural resistance will have already kicked in. <laughs> How wrong we were. It's week 3 of May, we're, we're underway already, aphids imminent potentially and my sugar beet's still coming through the ground. So herbicides are also complicated in sugar beet once again this week, not only because of the staggered emergence that we've got, but also because because of the weather which isn't especially lending itself to spraying but then again we can't have everything can we peas and beans growing like stink at the moment wild oats grass weeds flushing after the rain so there's an opportunity to whip those out sooner rather than later in peas and beans but once again check the labels and remember you cannot use clethodim in peas or beans and as far as wild oats ryegrass etc in cereals go again watch those cutoff timings but do be aware of going too soon there's an awful lot of spring wild oats still emerging so getting in there and looking would be the best thing to do as always linseed seems to be responding quite well to the lovely growing conditions the wet warm soils flea beetle and flax beetle thus far leaving it alone remember you can no longer buy bromoxynil for any crop and linseed we used to use eagle bromatril as a very reliable herbicide mix so unless you've got bromoxynil in stock you can't use it but it needs using up by september it's worth remembering spring oil seed rape emerging where it's gone in similarly free from pest attacks so far to be honest i'm not sure how much good you do with insecticide against flea beetle in winter or spring oil seed rape anyway so it's a good job that it's warm and wet because the crop will be outgrowing any damage quickly enough um, it's the pollen beetle which you might want to worry about with your spring oil seed rape the second generation emergence always coincides with yellow bud on spring oil seed rape and flowers emerging so judging by the numbers 
of pollen beetle we saw in the first generation earlier on a few weeks ago, that could well be an issue this year. The only yellow things that are about when the second gen generation emerge is spring all-seed rape and ladies in yellow dresses at the Lincolnshire Show who generally sport a shiny black entourage. So things are poised to suck up all that nitrogen. The soils are warming up rapidly. The rain keeps falling. Spray days are few and far between. The flag leaf timing looms and it's all happening all at once in every crop on every farm. So just another May then. Let's see what next week brings. Thanks, Sean. If you want to get in touch with Sean Sparling, his website is sasagronomy.co.uk. Now, we know how important it is to keep up to date with new processes and technologies, stay compliant with health and safety on the farm, develop skills and produce evidence of learning for accredited schemes such as NROSO, Basis and Dairy Pro. Not always that easy to do alongside all the other jobs that need your attention. Help is at hand from Farmers Weekly. Editor Andrew Meredith joins us this morning. Andrew, good morning. Welcome to the Farming Programme. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Tell us a little bit about the Farmers Weekly Learning Centre then. Well, uh, many of our, our loyal customers will remember a few years ago, we had the Farmers Weekly Academy, which was a, an online CPD learning centre that for a number of reasons, we, we took the decision to shut down. But ever since then, there have been a number of people uh, who have asking to bring it back. And we would delighted to bring it back now with the Farmers Weekly Learning Centre, and this will be an opportunity for all those farmers out there who are in these continuous professional development, these CPD schemes. They'll be able to read articles on our website, answer quizzes and get those valuable CPD points for doing so. What kind of content are you expecting on there? What kind of subjects are you planning? It's very much focused around the, the arable and, and dairy sectors at the moment. The other, the other sort of agricultural sectors are perhaps in some ways a little bit further behind on their CPD journeys, but it does feel like this is the way the whole industry is heading in to a certain extent as part of that accountability and that farmers, if they're you know, in various supply arrangements, they have to demonstrate that they're still learning in order to perhaps to have that supermarket contract or be able to be a sprayer operator. They've got to demonstrate that they're fully up to date, that with these schemes then those farmers that are involved will be able to show that they have read the content, prove that by answering these quizzes and then be able to demonstrate that they are up to date with, with all the latest regulations and the, the best practice way of doing various farming operations. Because, of course, we never stop learning, any of us, let's face it, do we? But is this aimed then more at existing farmers in accredited schemes rather than perhaps students or apprentices? I would say that is the focus at the moment, yes. But what, what I would add is in creating this learning centre, we have grouped our articles together based on subject area in a new way compared to, or an extra way compared to what we had before. Uh, everyone will know Farmers Weekly is a big fat magazine. It comes out every week. We produce an awful lot of features and stories. And, and all of that or most of that is on our website by sector area. But by creating the, the learning centre, we are bringing it right down to a task level. So for students, if they're looking to complete some coursework or for those new entrants in farming, if they're within one of their first few sort of farming cycles, I think that they will find been able to read up on, uh, you know, spraying best practice or the best way to cultivate and develop a new lay in the dairy sector. They'll find some of that information, hopefully, very useful. And it will really cut down the time that they have to spend on the Internet 
digging out those articles. And arable and dairy, you say, to start with, are other sectors likely to follow shortly? Well, we'll be looking to broaden the number of collections on article and topic types we have, regardless of whether there is a CPD scheme attached to it. We want to do more in in machinery, in business uh, and other aspects of livestock too, because we think there is real value for our readership to be able to, you know, come on the website, find what they're looking uh, to learn as quickly as possible, use us as that resource and then, of course, go straight back out of the farm office or out from the kitchen table or get out the tractor cab and, and put it straight into practice if they can. And I suppose the two other questions, really. One is how much. The other is what kind of time commitment are people likely to, to need to commit to this? Well, it's going to be completely free for our existing subscribers. Everyone who is a subscriber, even if they only read the magazine at the moment, has a, an opportunity to access all of our online content. And in terms of time, these articles are easily digestible. There's only going to be sort of six or seven per quiz. So we're looking at to, to earn one point for a topic area. That's probably a time commitment of no more than half an hour or 45 minutes, I would say. And they can do it from, from the comfort of their home without having to go out on a course or anything elaborate like that. That's great. Andrew Meredith, editor of Farmers Weekly. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. More information on the Farmers Weekly Learning Centre at fwi.co.uk. Let's learn all about the markets and their performance this week. Here's Open Fields' Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Good morning, Steve. The initial reaction this week to the USDA report is negative, but, as always, the devil is in the detail. As regards to the 2020-2021 supply and demand, the market expected a drop in the Brazilian maize production due to the ongoing drought an increase in the US maize exports as they have already reached their export target with 16 weeks of the season left and an increase in Chinese imports, which the trade has put at 33 to 34 million metric tonnes. What we got was the reduction in Brazilian by 7 million metric tonnes, an increase by 2.5 million in the US maize exports and a 2 million increase in the Chinese imports to 26 million metric tonne, all of which is actually debatable. The main bone of contention is the Brazilian maize crop size and post-private estimates somewhere between 85 to 95 million, which, if correct, not only means further crop reductions in the future reports, which will push further demand to the US, which they don't need, as it pushes prices higher and increase wheat feeding. It is the scenario in the short to medium term that should support our UK prices. So moving on to barley now this week, markets saw a raft of new crop inquiries towards the end of last week as numbers of breweries entered the marketplace buying malt for the new year, which in turn led to molsters to step in and put their prices up for some of the barley. Following the recent wetter weather pattern and the market saw a few offers coming forward, the new crop values saw this renewed interest relate into good value gained to maintain the premium structure against the feed sector. The old crop market remains tough to define with limited trade and support. Feed barley values across a number of regions are still good if you still have any parcels left in the shed. So on both counts, please do speak to your local open field farm business manager. Moving on to all seed rape, the USDA report did not change the fundamental picture for the global oilseed complex. US soybeans will remain tight through the remainder of the year and into next. South America crop retains an optimistic production number for the old crop and see a combined 13 million metric tonne increase into the production across Brazil and Argentina for 2021. China import expectations were increased to another record high for next year also. 
In a nutshell, there was nothing detrimental to the overall picture from the USDA report, but the numbers released largely met expectations, so there were very few fireworks. Once again, the global complex will remain fundamentally tight. This does mean that it is now time to focus on the weather and the production numbers, and the forecast does not leave much room for any upset. Crude oil values have seen little support on the back of the US pipeline cyber attack, but on the announcement that the pipeline is up and running again has seen a drop back in values early on Thursday morning. Rising tensions between Israel and Palestine have largely been overlooked for now. Closer to home, UK markets remain ad hoc with physical seed availability dictating pricing levels. New crop markets have seen Matif futures gain over the week with domestic crush prices following. However, there is little physical first-hand seed, so the trade remains limited. Looking at prices this week for feed wheat, May 205 to 210. Looking forward into August, new crop 172 to 176. November 178 to 180. February 180 to 182. And May 22, 182 to 185. Milling wheat premiums for new crop are in the region of 16 to 20 pounds. Feed barley for May 170 to 175, moving forward to new crop in August 156 to 160, November 164 to 166, February 166 to 168, and May 22 168 to 170. Old crop malting premiums are circa £20. Oil seed rate for May 490 to potentially £500. Moving forward to August, new crop 435 to 440, November 440 to 445, February 445 to 450, and May 22, 450 to 455. Thanks as ever, Kit Dickinson from Openfield. Before the weather forecast, details of the first, I think, of the year, the Snelland Tractor Run. Here's organiser Jane Popperwell. Morning, Jane. Morning, Steve. Tell us a little bit about it. When, where and what time and so on. We are meeting on Saturday the 29th of May at Home Farm Snelland. Arrival from one o'clock to set off around two and tea and cake uh, for everybody before we leave. Sounds good. Um, (laughs) Briefly, what's the route? Where are you going? We're going around local rural villages and farm tracks. Some of the local landowners have been very kind and let us go over some of their land. A big thank you to Happy Days Farming and to GE Ward and Sons for allowing us to do this. How many are you expecting or hoping for? Well, um, on previous tractor runs, there's been a lot of tens, anything around 30 to 50, really. Great stuff. And are we affected at all by COVID for this? Can people watch, for instance? Yes, they can. It's an outdoor event, so uh, we're welcoming people to come and watch the tractors um, go off. We'll be following the COVID guidelines. If if somebody wants to take part in this and bring their tractor along, how much are we talking about? So it's £15 a tractor, and that includes food on return from the tractor run, and then it's £5 a passenger. And you're raising funds for the Southwold Hunt and for LRSN, I gather? Yes, that's right. Two very good causes. Where can we find out more information about this? The information's on social media and there's posters in many local farm stores around the market raising area. Or get in touch with me. And how can we get in touch with you? So my phone number's on all the posters and um, on the social network as well. Well, I wish you well. Hope everything works out all right. Hope the weather's decent. Well, at least dry. 
I suppose that'd be the yeah, thing, wouldn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your waterproofs if it's a rainy day. <laughs> well, have a great day and uh, hope you raise loads of money. Thanks, Jane. Thank you. Better weather for farming last week, but does it continue for this week? The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Well, more rain's forecast, certainly for the first half of the week, up to 10 mil today. Just a light breeze from the south and highs of 14 Celsius. Similar for Monday, with the wind moving round to the northwest, maybe a degree or two cooler. From Tuesday, the rain eases, but there will be some light drizzle around for the rest of the week. The wind picks up from the west into the mid-teens MPH, highs of 13 degrees. Continuing much the same for the middle of the week with winds from the west getting cooler with daytime highs just about hitting double figures. And the weekend's drier with a little sunshine, breezy from the west and highs of 13 Celsius. Finally, thank you for the many, many donations to Lynx FM's Cash for Kids charity last week. Please do keep them coming, though, as we try together to help children in the area facing poverty as a result of the pandemic. You can donate online at lynxfm.co.uk and click on Cash for Kids. I'm Steve Orchard. Have a good week.